Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's show, Gabby and I talk about the real cost of interest rates and inflation. Now, it's a cool episode because what we're actually trying to do in this episode is encourage you to think a little differently around what is happening in the current environment with the context of inflation and interest rates. We talk about real interest rates and the real cost of capital. We talk about how to how to think about deploying capital in the current environment, what inflation is doing to your cash, and effectively, how you can start to really think about things like total returns and try and take your attention away from whatever might be happening on a pure cash flow basis in your portfolio and all of that kind of stuff. So it's a really critical environment for property investors. It's very easy for people to get waylaid in their thought thanks to a lot of media negativity and loads of inputs uh, from all over the place. So I encourage you to check this episode out. And if you think it's beneficial, helpful, if you, th- if you think it gives you a new perspective on how to navigate this kind of environment, then I encourage you to share this with a friend, family member, or loved one. We really value that. The podcast has been grow a lot lately and it's all thanks to you. So I just want to say thank you so much for helping us to get the message out there. But I would love it and I would ask a massive favor from you right now. And that is to find someone who doesn't yet know about the Investor Lab and give them this episode or another episode if you if you like if you don't like this episode, which is totally fine, but you might like another episode, send them that one and help them to get involved too because our mission is really to help empower all of you guys who are listening to this podcast to become more successful investors and to be able to live a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. That is our goal. And I hope that we are delivering on that. And if you've got any suggestions, questions, or anything you'd like to submit to us here at the podcast, send it to TIL, that's TIL at dash dot dot com dot AU. And without any further ado, let's get stuck right into the episode. And I'll see you on the inside. Hi guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Joining me today is my co-host and compadre, Gabby. How are you? Woot, woot. Hello. I'm good. How are you going? Very well, thank you. Um, Wonderful. Got the day off to a good start. Woke up, had a little bit of anxiety, so I thought I'd have a coffee because coffee usually solves anxiety. That That's helps. what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yep. Went, went to the gym, pumped some iron, did, went Arnie style, you know, and then I went and had a sauna and an ice bath. I've got to say, like, such Feeling a good, good. way. Yeah, such a good way to kind of get your parasympathetic nervous system back in line and and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I had a bunch of ashwagandha as well, so I like dosed up on ashwagandha and then went and jumped with in your a, coffee. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Caff- caffeine plus ashwagandha. It's good. It's like yeah, it's a bit of a roller coaster ride. The goose mix. <laughs> get get jacked and calm at the same time. Uh, <laughs> But no, it's it's awesome. Like I hi- I highly recommend it. Like uh, like it's obviously not something everyone can do or has the capability of the facilities or or whatever um, to be able to do. But if you've got the opportunity or if you've got the inclination, I reckon jumping in an ice bath, um, you know, as regularly as you can is so good because it really helps train the vagus nerve and kind of like brings you. It really centers you uh, again. And yeah, so I'm feeling good. Love it. Nervous system chat first up. It's good. <laughs> well, I didn't quite have that exciting of a morning today. I just went for a little walk, but it was nice. Went for a walk on my own, had a little coffee on my own. Nice. Good. Yeah. Nice. And for yeah. those of you listening at home, you're probably going to notice we might have slightly different audio visual quality uh, than we usually do on the podcast today. We've changed offices, we've moved locations, all of that kind of stuff. And so we're still kind of navigating the setup. So uh, in advance, uh, I hope that you. I hope that you can. Um, I hope that you can forgive us for any kind of echoes that you might be hearing and stuff, and we'll work to remedy that for uh, for future episodes. 
Goose is very concerned about the the audio quality. So yes, well, apologies in advance. Yeah, well, I care about it, right? Because I listen yeah, to po- sure. I, I listen to podcasts on on he- headphones cruising around, and there's every day I need to listen to a podcast that's like really poor audio quality, and it's like ah, I don't care how good the content is, I'm out of here, you yeah. know. And and um, I know that we're going to be talking about some pretty interesting stuff today, and and hopefully the audio quality is good enough that you want to stick around because um, I think it's really really it's some really cool stuff that we want to get into today. Cool. So what are we going to talk around. about? What are we going to, What are we going to talk about then, Gabby? Well, hot topic at the moment, right? If you're at all invested or interested in property, the words interest rates seem to be kind of haunting everyone these days. Mm. And even like today, yesterday, yesterday, RBA, another uh, cash rate hike just Mm -hmm. yesterday. So people are concerned about interest rates. They're concerned about the impact on cash flow, um, Mm. not just for investors, but obviously anyone who has a mortgage that has some kind of interest rate that they repay yeah monthly repayments are going up so people are concerned at like what point is that going to stop how is that impacting me and so we kind of want to pull that apart in the sense of like how to think about it differently um and comparing it with inflation which is ultimately like the reason that the rates are going up is to try and combat inflation so we want to pull apart like what does that actually mean Mm. and how to think about it a little bit differently yeah, 100%. And so I think what's really interesting actually is the amount that interest rates are going up, you know, because if you had asked me a couple of months ago, and for anyone who's, who listens to the podcast regularly, you probably have heard my forecast on where I think the, the cash rate and interest rates are going to go. I think they're going to go higher. Like, so I'll be the mm. first person, I'll be the first person to call out the fact that. You know our perspective. Gen- when I say our, I mean the global, the, the 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 national we, including probably the RBA and anybody else in finance or whatever. You, you know, it, the interest rates are going higher than we. I, I believe that the interest rates are going to go higher than we would have thought weeks or or even months ago. And I think there's a yep. really good reason for that, right? And but I think that what can happen is that people can get um, scared, concerned, worried, all of that kind of stuff, and they just don't know, like. Is it even a good time to invest or? Um, how should I be thinking about this? How do I navigate this kind of environment? Or, or how do I, you know, and so it's really important that we kind of dig into what's going on, but also how to think about it in a slightly different way. And let's be let's be super real, right? So as interest rates go up, it, it negatively impacts cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. There's no yeah. two ways about it, right? And trans- transparently, you know, all of our mortgages are on uh, variable rates because we like the flexibility. And for the first time ever, our portfolio has gone slightly cash flow negative. Now, all good. like. Are we concerned? No, um, that's fine. Partly because of our perspectives on growth, uh, the transience of this cycle, all of these other kind of factors. And so for us, it's like it's all good. But sometimes that kind of con- the the context around that kind of shift in a portfolio can be really disarming. Mm. And it and it's so I think I'd love to do a couple of episodes, kind of digging into like how to think about all of this kind of stuff and how to navigate it because it's you know it's it's a a natural concern for people and what can end up happening is people can end up making bad decisions about how to navigate a high interest rate environment but that's a topic for another podcast because what i think is really interesting and what's really important to um that people kind of forget right or i think or maybe don't really fully you know conceptually understand it's like why are interest rates going up well because inflation's going up okay well yeah okay but you know what does that mean why does that work who cares? Like, what? What? My coffee's yeah. more expensive, so you're making me pay more on my mortgage. Like, like yeah. what? That doesn't make sense. And it's kind of it's it's sort of not that simple, right? So, well, 
in a sense, right? And we've kind of talked about this in previous episodes. We won't hang here for too long. But basically, you know, because of supply chain breakdowns um, due to COVID, then China's lockdowns, China's gone back into another. There was four cases, Gabby, four cases of COVID in Wuhan yeah. um, the other day, and they've, they've gone into like total complete shutdown again. It's 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 wild. They've still got this um, COVID zero kind of uh, mentality, which you know, I think the rest of the world has shown is probably not the best approach uh, economically and all of that kind of stuff. But the reality of the situation is China is such a major influence on the global economy through trade and export and, and manufacturing and all of these other kind of factors that when they shut down, it actually shuts down massive parts of the rest of the world, right? Yeah. And so between that and then also um, supply chain issues coming out of the, the war, in, uh, war in Ukraine and Russia and all of these other kind of factors, right? We had this situation where you know, loads of money got pumped into the economy during COVID as stimulus to try and, you know, keep the economy alive, keep things firing, encourage people to spend money, doing all that kind of stuff. Now people are spending money, right? But we can't get the goods and services to keep up with the demand, which means that prices go up, right? And so um, one of the ways to cool the economy and cool spending is to increase, is is to nominally increase the, the cost of capital, um, and which impacts the cost of living, which then causes spending to go down. And, you know, and, and we're actually trying to deflate the economy because at the moment, inflation is basically the economy growing too fast, right? Effectively what it is, right? Like cost of everything, the cost of everything's going up and, you know, which can kind of be a good thing, but actually if it goes too quick, it ends up being a bad thing. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to deflate things. We're like, whoa, calm down, calm the farm, right? And the problem is if we don't get it under wraps soon, then wages are going to rise to keep up with inflation. And then we start to go into an inflationary um, spiral and it starts to get a bit out of control, right? So the aim of the game is for the RBA to try and effectively like hook on to the inflation rate. They want to be able to match, effectively match, right, the uh, nominal interest rate with the inflation rate, right? And so what they're trying to do is basically, okay, get to a point where we can find some an equilibrium, right, with inflation so that inflation, and at some point we'll find that equilibrium because, and we're not finding it yet. So at the moment what's happening is interest rates are going up and they might go up so that the nominal interest rate, and we'll talk about nominal and real interest rates in a second because I think it's a really interesting um, perspective to have, right? So the nominal interest rate may rise up to meet the current uh, known inflation rate, but then if the inflation rate goes up again, and that means it hasn't hasn't caught on, hasn't got traction, hasn't found the equilibrium, right? And so we need to raise interest rates again and try and get that hook on, try and get a handle on inflation because it's kind of that's the anchor that we can use to pull inflation down. And at mm. a certain point, like a set of scales, right, we're going to find that that good balance, right? And then what will happen is inflation will start to dip off, right? And then we'll start to be able to take the, we'll start to be able to release the grip of, infla- of interest rates again. The other thing that happens, right, and that is, I, I, I will tell, I don't mind actually t- talking about my, uh, my predictions and perspectives on the future, right? I think there's a couple of things that are almost 100% certain, right? Certainly okay. in my mind. Um I am 100% certain that interest rates won't stay higher for longer than two years, right? We're talking probably end of 2023 or mid-2024, they'll start to come down. I'm very, very, very confident about that. And the reason for that is because all of this interest rate hiking, right, and the effort to um, effectively deflate uh, the the economy (laughs) is going to cause a recession. Like that's what happens. A recession is negative growth. And so what's actually what they're actually trying to do is actually cause you know they're effectively trying to go for what they're calling a soft landing, soft landing where they can 
get inflation under control and somehow not cause it, not cause us to go into negative growth. I mean, land the plane swiftly. Yeah. Talk about gold. We, we talk about finding the Goldilocks zone, right? For in real estate, talk about finding a Goldilocks zone. And I think that's a pretty, <laughs> I mean, if they can do that, I'll be, you know, hats off to them. But I think it's highly unlikely. I think, I think the, I think the, the um, much stronger likelihood is that we're going to go into uh, recession. But again, these things don't last, right? These things won't last mm-hmm. forever, right? And this is really important for people to understand that all of this stuff is, is transitory. You know, it's it's it, they're just they're just moments in time in an ecosystem of you know wonderful things that 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 we get to experience. And I think that people can get too emotional in the short term and forget about making decisions for the long term. So I'm very confident that none of this kind of stuff is going to last, and that we'll find that equilibrium in the in the next kind of like twelve months or so. But I think we've I think we've actually still got a fair way to go in terms of interest rates hiking up. But and this is what we're going to talk about today. That's not doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Are you taking a breath? I'm taking a breath. What do you think, Gabby? <laughs> Far out, lot in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think on that like transient piece, right? You and I understand that, and as mm. you, I guess, as you mature in your investment philosophies and understandings, you come to terms with that. And my hope with you know a lot of what we do with our clients, but also like with this podcast and the, the education that we that we provide is that it's helping everyone to have a different perspective to think about things differently and to be more steady in how they approach um things mm. and not reacting and freaking out and being prepared i guess as well understanding that all of this is in some way whatever we're in is some point of a cycle in whatever function and it will pass and so if you can understand that and be prepared for that when it comes then when it arrives, you're like, cool, I knew this was coming and I just need to play it like this now and, you know, however long it lasts, we'll just do mm. this and then it'll finish and then we do something else. And I think this comes into play a lot with people who are not prepared for, you know, interest rate rises and inflation and things. Um, a lot of the concerns that come out of the market and and from, you know, most general people that don't think about investing is people aren't prepared. You know, people have come out of COVID where you know, there was a lot of stimulus and yes, we've got like huge amounts of household savings these days because people were getting a lot of, you know, stimulus from the government, but then also not a huge opportunity to spend that. So there's a lot of savings that people have, but Mm. also we're not, you know, the transition from that point to now this point where interest rates have gone up pretty significantly. That's a, it's a relatively short amount of time. Mm. for such a societal kind of shift in behavior so people are like oh i'm freaking out because the costs are more expensive totally yes. but could, could i just jump in there and say that like uh in 2008 in 2008 the the um fixed interest rate was nine percent right so we're not we're not even we're mm. not even we're not even vaguely in uncharted territories here like we yeah. <laughs> like were people still investing in property in in 2008 yep so they sure were like back in back in um, March 1993, I think they were about 11 percent. You know, like if we go back, to, were people still investing in property successfully? Bloody mm-hmm. they were, right? And so, so where people can kind of get a little bit um, get a bit waylaid is because the environment changes. They think that their their process is um, completely out of whack, or they need to do something else. So in fact, they they tend to do nothing, right? Because and they'll tend to stay in cash because you know if you look at the share market, I mean. You know that exact hasn't exactly been going very well this year, has it? And now 
Is it on the rebound? Who knows? You know, has it found the bottom? Not sure. You know, like, so all of this kind of stuff causes people to kind of not do anything, right? And this is actually a really big issue, particularly in an inflationary environment. So now, headline inflation is about 6.1% at the moment, right? Rough, roughly, but that's based on the latest measurement. But, you know, on a, like variable. No, no, inflation, inflation. Oh, inflation. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So headline inflation is about is about six point one percent, right? So, but I, it's probably in reality, it's probably a little higher than that, right? So mm. the problem with uh, inflation is that it actually specifically and 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 literally devalues the cash that you have in the bank, right? So let's just for example say that you've got a hundred thousand dollars cash in the bank and you're sitting there thinking, should I invest in property or should I not invest in property? Interest rates are going up. Uh, maybe I'll wait for interest rates to come down or do something like that. If we just, just for the point of the example, right, more than anything else, just say that inflation was 10%, right? Then over the course of tw- oh, 10% per annum, over the course of 12 months, you're actually going to lose 10% of your cash in terms of purchasing power, right? So what you can buy, let's just say in January 2022 versus December 2022, right? If, and again, this is just an example. I'm not when these are not actual figures that are existing right yeah, now, but more yeah. to paint more to paint the picture, right? Yeah. So let's say you had hundred grand on the first of January 2022, and then you don't spend it, and we have 10% inflation over the course of the year, that you get to gonna get to the end of uh, December 2022, and your purchasing power is only gonna be about ninety thousand dollars. So what you could have bought for hundred grand back in January, you can only you can't afford to buy now because you can only afford to buy 90 grand worth of stuff, right? And so that is the real and actual impact on inflation. It's effectively stealing your cash, right? It mm. is, that's not good, right? But where people kind of get a little bit way late is they go, oh, yeah, but interest rates are going up and, you know, ah, the cost of debt and all of that kind of stuff. But in fact, what's, what's, what's a really interesting discussion is, is, what is what is the real interest rate, right? Because you have nominal interest rates, which are effectively the headline interest rates. So that's the kind of stuff you see from the banks, right? And the real interest rate, is the nominal interest rate minus the inflation rate. And that actually gives you the real cost of capital, right? That's actually, that actually tells you what the real cost of capital is. So for example, if the inflation rate was 10%, right? And the nominal interest rate, so that's the interest rate you pay to the bank, right? Is 5%, right? And, and real inflation and real, uh, real interest rates, sorry, are nominal interest rates minus the inflation rate. That would be 5% minus 10%. So you'd be at negative 5%, which in fact means that there's an arbitrage opportunity at play, right? If inflation is higher, if inflation is higher than uh, nominal interest rates or is growing faster than nominal interest rates, you have an opportunity to actually make money just by deploying that capital. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I was picturing, I was just picturing this line, right? It's like you said earlier, like people think about inflation and most mm-hmm. people don't think about it until it impacts them on a day-to-day basis. You go mm. to the cafe and suddenly your coffee that used to cost $4 costs $5. That's extreme, but that kind of situation. And then you oh, go, It's oh, not that extreme. I think it's like legit happening. It's kind of relevant in the current environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we love coffee. So. And we love coffee. So we're always comparing with coffee. Mm. Um, but yeah, those kind of real life situations is when people usually, that's when they wake up to it and they're like, oh, this inflation thing is real. And it, like, you know, it's costing me more money. But people think about beyond, like below that, people don't really think about it. But people do pay attention to interest rates and additional costs that they need to put out. Mm. So I'm thinking like about this, like if you think about like a line and it's like the costs that you have to spend out are like above the line, 
Mm. So let's just say the average interest rate is like 5.6 now at the moment. Yep. yep. Um, roughly. Roughly. So it's like 5.6 above the line. But then inflation is this like silent cost that people don't think about, which is like your money is deflating. It is deroding yeah. if you leave it in cash by a certain amount. So if inflation is like 6.1, like roughly around today, that's like 6.1 below the line. So mm. if you kind of measured them up, you would be like below the line still. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an interesting way to think about inflation, right? Because inflation on the one hand is dragging costs up. So people think mm. inflation is a thing that makes things go up. But in fact, what inflation is doing is pushing down on your purchasing power, right? Yeah. So, so rather than it being like, ah, everything's more expensive, it's actually, oh, my money buys less, right? And so, and so inflation is actually um, a corroding factor, right? Yeah. More than it is a price increasing factor. The only reason yep. prices increase is because our purchasing power decreases effectively, right? So it's an interesting way to think about it in that above the line, below the line, because you've kind of got inflation, which is an anchor pulling down your purchasing yeah. power, right? And so, so in that example that you just gave, bearing in mind that um, you know we're in a live environment, um, the, the RBA has literally, as we record this, just just increased the cash rate, and so the, some of the figures we're using are. are Completely general in nature, but it's the, mm -hmm. to, illust to illustrate a point more than anything else. But if the inflation rate is six point one percent, and if the average uh, mortgage is five point six percent, or the average mortgage rate is five point six percent interest rate, that's a nominal interest rate. Six uh, five point six minus six point one equals minus point zero point uh, five percent. So you've got a half a percent arbitrage opportunity at play in your capital. So and, and that is really interesting when you think about what the impact is on cash flow, right? Because your cash flow might go down. However, however, you might still, in theory at least, make make up that difference mm. in the combination of um non-degraded purchasing power, right? In that in that arbitrage opportunity in 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 that point five percent, right? So mm. let's say you lose a thousand dollars in cash flow, you might make up two thousand dollars in that in that arbitrage spread. Of 0.5 percent, which is pretty, which is pretty interesting as a way to think about it, right? Because if you're thinking about a total return basis, now that is not to discount the impact of degraded cash flows, right? And we'll, I want to do a whole episode just on that and how to think about that and how we can cut, what you can kind of do strategically to kind of navigate that. And that's mm. really important in this current environment. But the point here is actually to to look at what these different forces are are doing, right? And how that might how that might impact, right? So I'll just paint an example if that's all right, because it might actually help to kind of Give us some give us some color to it. Yeah, so, sure. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So for the point of this example, and it's extreme, and it's d deliberately because to try and show you the example. In the point of this, uh, in this example, let's just say it's a ten percent inflation, right, and a five percent interest rate, right, on your nominal interest rate. So yep. if you if and let's just assume for the point of this, you're buying a five hundred thousand dollar property and using 100% debt, right? Just for, just, just, just for the picture. So let's say, let's say um, you borrow $500,000 and inflation is 10%. The debt, the purchasing power of that debt is being eroded by 10% a year. So if after one year, the, uh, after one year, the, the $500,000 you borrow only has about $450,000 worth of purchasing power due to inflation, right? Because that, that, that's the rate at which your purchasing power is degrading thanks to inflation. So here's where it gets interesting. So right now, the inflation rate, generally speaking, is higher than the cost of debt, which is pretty fun. So if we use that example again, let's say you buy a house for $500,000, you borrow $500,000 from the bank with a 5% interest rate, 
to purchase the property. The interest, the interest cost on that loan is going to be about $25,000. It's 5% of $500,000. So mm-hmm. it's going to cost you about $25,000 in interest right, on that property. If the inflation rate is 10%, then the purchasing power of the debt is being eroded by, and the purchasing power of the debt is being eroded by $50,000 a year, right? That means um, the real interest rate is minus 5%, right? So 10%, sorry, 5% minus 10% is minus 5%. So that's negative, right? And so what that actually means is you're making $25,000 spread on the cost of the interest rate versus the degraded cost of capital because it's costing you $25,000 in interest, but the purchasing power of the capital is degrading by $50,000. And by deploying that capital into a real asset, you're actually making a $25,000 spread, <laughs> which is pretty interesting. Now, the, the actuality of the situation is not that extreme, right? So you're not making that much of a spread, but mm. it is still, but there is still an arbitrage opportunity at play there, or at, very, at the very least, an equilibrium at play there, where you're still actually, um, by deploying the capital, and and using the opportunities at play here, using you know getting access to capital, buying real assets, doing all of that kind of stuff, versus keeping your cash in the bank, you're at least making up the opportunity cost. Because if you just had the money sitting in the bank, you'd be losing money. But at least by deploying it into a, into a real asset, which is going to grow nominally in line with inflation, right? Then then you're at least making up that arbitrage opportunity. Yeah, and that's even just considering on a cash flow basis, right? It's like if you're deploying that into a real asset like real estate, you've mm. got the capital growth element in there as well. Yeah, totally, totally right. Yeah. So exactly. So all you know, all of this kind of stuff is is really interesting to think about from a from a total return perspective, right? Because um, you mentioned this is on a cash flow basis. It's not purely on a cash flow basis because because what we're talking about is you know purchasing per, uh, nominal purchasing power, nominal interest rates, real interest rates, um, degradation, and so yeah. so. But actually, when people need to think about what is the cost of capital, there's a hell of a lot more to it than just like what is my interest rate, right? Because the cost, yeah. like the cost of capital for any investor, and people need to people need to really start thinking like like institutional grade investors, right? And this is this is what this is what anyone listening to this podcast effectively is, you know, like if you're building a um, property portfolio, you've effectively created your own personal um, REIT or fund or whatever. You're effectively you know, your own little black stone, you know? And and so you, what you really need to be thinking about is like, how do these people kind of think about things? And what is the real cost of capital, right? And the cost of capital is effectively um, determining the efficiency of the return of your money versus the cost of doing nothing, i.e. inflation versus the cost of interest rates and versus um, the total return that you still expect to get out of, out of that asset, right? And so, and so understanding that, you can really start to then look beyond purely just like uh, my my the cost of my mortgage is going up and actually start to think okay what is the real impact of inflation on my cash but also given inflation what is the real impact of interest rates or what in fact is the real interest rate because you might actually find like let's just say let's just say that um interest rates uh, on average go up to 6.1% and inflation stays at 6.1%. Well if inflation is at 6.1% and the interest rates are at 6.1% what is what is the real cost of capital? Zero percent, right? Because it's because it's you're effectively you're effectively arbitraging your point back to neutral, which is a bloody good place to be when the alternative is to have your cash degrade by six point one percent. Yeah, yeah, and I guess with that, like, just the phrase like arbitrage, just for that to really make sense for people. Mm. So, like, I kind of think about it. It's it's kind of like an appeal for you to move like 
choose an investment vehicle over another option, in this case, leave it in cash, right? So it makes more financial sense. There is more appeal to invest in something because it is better than the original option, right? Mm. So it's like, it's almost like when you go, when you travel overseas to places like Bali, when you go to those places, like you have your Australian income. And so Mm. comparatively, compared to the prices that you're used to spending in Australia, everything seems really cheap, right? Mm. So comparatively, and then you're more inclined to spend and there's more velocity of money moving Mm. because the arbitrage opportunity, you're taking something that in your mind is worth $50 in Australia, but you can get it in Bali for $10. So you are more inclined to buy that and probably a couple of times, you know, Mm. they have that appeal. But and that's that in like that inflationary environment, right? Whereas that's that's geographic arbitrage. That's geographic arbitrage. Yeah. Um, But you can imagine if you take that same situation and instead of Bali prices being Bali prices, they're the Mm. exact same as Australian prices. Suddenly there's no appeal to be buying a lot of things in Bali because there's no there's no opportunity there so then people stop spending and that's kind of how inflation comes back down yeah yeah totally yeah so arbitrage is arbitrage is really interesting right so in in financial markets like it's more common for like in forex trading or whatever where you know the value of an Australian dollar in today's market in Australia versus the value of the pound you know there might be an exchange mm. an exchange rate difference of you know a fraction of a percent or whatever and you can trade those differences by trading currencies on different markets at different times of the day and just pick up the spread right that's kind of like that's classic kind of financial arbitrage I think you've got geographic arbitrage and I was talking to um to one of our team members the other day they used to live in Hong Kong and they used to fly to Vietnam to get their suits made right because in mm-hmm. in in Hong Kong the suits might cost them you know thousands of dollars to get this really nice suit done but he could fly to Ho Chi Minh City and get um tailor-made custom suits made for like you know, a couple of hundred bucks, and they'd be made in twenty-four hours, and and they'd be just as good a quality and whatever. And so he was, and it, despite the cost of the flight, the cost of the accommodation, the cost of all of that kind of stuff, he was still ahead by about fifty percent. That's geographic arbitrage. You got mm-hmm. time arbitrage. You got all these other kind of things, right? But really, what the 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 broader concept of it is is like how to find the spread. Like where is the spread, yeah. and how could you benefit from the spread? Right, the the spread between two price or value or cost inputs. How can you make the spread between those work for you, right? And that's re- that's mm. really what that's really what it's all about. It, it, however, you want to kind of shape it up and frame it up, and and this is why I think it's and this is why I think it's quite interesting at the moment is because if you're if you're prepared to um, think independently about what is happening in the market versus just looking at the headlines and get scared and all of that kind of stuff, right? Because what's happening in the in the market in the real estate market is not is not if you listen to the media, it's not really happening. It's very interesting, right? Because the media is so Sydney centric. It is so crazy. Yeah. In fact, I would go as far as to say everyone in Sydney is really Sydney centric. I've just been interviewing um, a bunch of candidates for a new role here at Dashdot, and it's so funny. If I ask someone who's not from Sydney, "Where are you from?" Let's say they're, they're let's say they're from Adelaide. They'll say, "I'm from Adelaide." They won't say what suburb they're in or whatever. They'll say, "I'm from Adelaide." All right, cool. <laughs> if someone's so from true. Sydney, if someone's from Sydney, and I say, "Where are you from?" They'll say like Cherrybrook. I'm like, yeah, they'll specifically say the suburb, like it's the center of the universe and everyone needs to know exactly. I'm like, I don't know where (laughs) Cherry Brook is. What is it? You're in Sydney. Right. Got it. Cool. Thanks. Right. (laughs) And it's, and it's quite interesting, right? Because you look at the, uh, you look at the media, you know, and they're like, um, you know, property prices are crashing and it's like, well, 
on a market cap basis, lots of lots of areas in Sydney are collapsing, right? And because mm. of the cost of capital, a lot of uh, a lot of the more expensive suburbs are declining a lot faster. I think they're four times faster is the last that I heard. The the top end of the market is collapsing four times faster than uh, any other market. That pulls down the averages, right? And so then there's a then there's a push to affordability and all of that kind of stuff, which is why that end of the market goes better and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But then, you, but then you get to look deeper into the markets as well, because there's also markets that we're currently buying properties in for our clients, where we're buying we're buying um, high quality assets that you that are we're purchasing them for less than the replacement value, right? Mm-hmm. That's arbitrage. Yeah, that's arbitrage. Okay, so I can pick this up for less than the cost it would for less than the cost it would take to build it. Okay, that's like okay, and and that's factoring in any of the you know. Um, uh, depreciate depreciation on the asset and all of that kind of stuff. So, looking at these opportunities rather than focusing on single point metrics, just like cash flow, I think is actually the way to navigate this kind of an environment, right? And it's also critically important to be really thinking about what is the real cost of inflation, right? Because if you've just got your cash sitting in the bank, right, doing nothing, then you've only the only thing that is happening to that cash is it is is you're losing purchasing power. Right versus deploying that capital. Now that does come with some other considerations, and it does come with some other um, costs and stuff like, like a mortgage, right? And mm-hmm. maybe that's going to impact your cash flow and all that kind of stuff, right? But if you've got a hundred grand sitting in the bank, right, and you're going to lose ten grand in inflation, versus take that hundred grand, put it into a five hundred thousand dollar property, you know, on a twenty percent on a eighty percent LVR, and Maybe, maybe let's just say you go negative net cash flow by a thousand or two thousand or three thousand dollars a year, right? What's the spread? Seven, eight grand, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so you're actually going to be better off, even though on the on the top line or on like on the kind of like on the bleeding edge, you're going to be going. This asset's no longer cash flow positive. It could be a bloody six or seven percent yield. <laughs> it could be a great asset, right? But because because interest rates are temporarily high, and it, you know, you 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 may you may have a negative uh, negative cash flow for a sh- relatively short period of time. Because you've got to remember, interest rates are going. Uh, sorry, um, rents are going up by twelve between twelve and twenty percent in different locations. Crazy how fast uh, rents are going up, right? So that that'll be temporary. Versus kind of like an absolute, you're losing your cash if you're leaving it in the bank. Right, and so you've kind of got like one absolute outcome where you're going to be losing cash effectively by living in the bank, or one where you can actually find the spread by deploying your capital in a in an effective and efficient way. Yeah, again, coming back to that psychology piece, it's like if you are prepared and you understand that this is how it works. Mm. I can imagine a lot of people, you know, reviewing their portfolios, and you know, like you and I, we're slightly negative right now, which we've never. Had a portfolio that's yeah, slightly. I think by like a couple of hundred bucks a month or something, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it's even that. I think it's like right. I think it's like a hundred bucks. But um, if you're not prepared for it and you don't have this education and this understanding that it's coming and how to think about it and not freak out about it, you can come into that situation and go, "Shit!" Like, yeah. we're cash flow positive now. That wasn't part of my strategy. Do I need to sell this property? Do I need to like? Go and try and find a higher yield to make sure that I stay cash flow positive. Nice. And that's again, it's like thinking that short term thinking rather than thinking long term. Like, is this still a good asset for me? Is it still delivering yeah, what I need? It's, it's so interesting, right? Just to pick up on that point, right? So, mm. on, I think roughly speaking, don't quote me on this exactly, 
roughly speaking, our port, uh, the the assets in our portfolio have grown by about 150 bucks a day, right? Like yeah. that's the that's the return we've got. It's about 150 bucks a day, right? Is the is the kind of return we've been getting out of our out of our properties on average over the last however long we've owned them, which is pretty cool. And so then, so we're so we're making let's call it 150 bucks a day, right? And then let's just say one of those let's say that's on one that's on one property, right? And so then let's say one property goes negative by 100 bucks a month, right? <laughs> it's cash flow negative. What do we do? And it's like, hang on a second, but it's making 150 bucks a day every day for 30 days, and then it's going negative for 100 bucks on one of those days. Would would you throw that asset in the bin? And it's like, no, of course not. Would you give up something that's going to give you 150 bucks a day, right? Now, yeah, that is inequity and all of that kind of stuff. You can't spend equity at shops and all of that. That all makes sense. But nonetheless, nonetheless, you've really got to look at what is the value that is being created um, versus purely just um, just counting your counting your dollars and cents um, that are in the bank. Now, of course. That's not not to not to like come from a place of privilege or anything like that. Some people they can't they can't afford a hundred bucks a month, and and you know and that's a real consideration too. So in yep. that case, you've just got to assess your strategy and your life situation and all of that kind of stuff, and make the choices that are most appropriate for you. You could either potentially find it. We'll, we'll talk about that in another episode because I think there's some really good um, opportunities there, and it's really not to discount the the impact that um that this that interest rates can have on the day to day lives of. Uh, individuals, we're not trying to do that at all. It's really just to try and reframe the opportunity that is um, that is right here, right now. Yeah, I, I think on that as well. It's like it doesn't matter what we suggest. At the end of the day, you are in your situation and you have your portfolio, and you just need to consider your situation, your current assets, your current income, your current cash available, and consider what do I need to do? It doesn't matter like, oh, other people are doing this and oh, so-and-so, Jimmy down the street said I should do this and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter what like the trends are. It's just you need to consider what is right for you. You know, Even if like we're saying in this situation, it's probably financially like an, from an investment perspective, it makes more sense to put cash into investments from that real interest mm. rate perspective, right? But if you're in a situation where you don't have much cash, don't take this as advice of like, okay, I've got to go and put it in a property. Like if that doesn't make sense for you, if you'd rather keep that cash because you feel more financially secure, having a cash buffer and all of that kind of stuff, then you do that, you know? Mm. Part of this is just considering giving you some tools to think about so that you can sit there and contemplate what is right for me yeah, <laughs> rather than just kind of being blown around with like, oh, interest rates, okay, better go get cash flow and all this kind of stuff so yeah just like pausing and reflecting and you are the only portfolio you need to think about yeah yeah exactly run your own race at your own pace and forget about the rest Compar comparison is the thief of joy right and and the video has got a lot to a lot to answer yep. for in, in in my opinion so um i think we've covered a lot of ground on this episode I, I do want to do another episode where we specifically target okay how do you deal with the cash flow component of of rising interest rates so we'll do that in a in a future episode um, why don't we leave it there for now, Gabby? What do you reckon? Sounds great. Awesome, guys. Um, let us know your feedback on this episode. If you thought it was mm. useful, beneficial, did you get any kind of aha moments? Um, any feedback? I'd greatly appreciate it. Send it through to til at dash dot com dot au. And of course, if you want help to build a prolific, profitable property portfolio in the current environment, um, just reach out to us at dash dot 
dash.com.au forward slash discovery. Grab a chat with the team and we can help you out there. But until until then, um, have a great time and we'll see you in the next episode. See you. Thank you.